It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. One, can we save free speech in the West? Two, why I'm quitting Zen, but not before I rank the best flavors of Zen. Three, the four biggest debates in college football. It's the Will Kane Podcast on Fox News Podcast. What's up and welcome to Wednesday. As always, I hope you will download, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get your audio entertainment, at Apple, Spotify, or at Fox News Podcast. You can watch the Will Kane Podcast on Rumble or on YouTube. And make sure to follow me on X at Will Kane for updates on the latest and the future of the Will Kane Show. Home debates. Family Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was once again one of the most wonderful times of the year. Midweek last week, I called it. And I pulled up stakes in Dallas, took the family, and we went home. We went to North Texas. We went to Sherman, Texas. It ended up being one of the best weeks, as expected, of the year. One of my best friends of my life came into town, spent the night with me in Dallas. And before we left for Sherman, we did something that's become one of my favorite traditions, one of my favorite activities. And that's any weekend that I can take off is to take my boys to breakfast. There's just something about men and breakfast. There's something about old men and coffee. There's just something about working out the world's problems over sausage. It's better than a dinner date. There's something special about breakfast. I've been taking my sons here and there, one at a time, to breakfast to talk about whatever it is that needs to be talked about in the world. On this weekend, my buddy, his son, and my two sons all went to breakfast. And we debated if you were on death row and if it were time for your last meal, what would you order as your seven-course last meal? I'm going to tell you right now, I was unprepared for this debate. I'm used to winning. I'm used to driving that conversation. I'm used to stirring the pot. I'm used to making it interesting. And man, I failed. I was over there talking about brisket and dove poppers while everybody else was talking about their tamales from this particular restaurant or this chicken fried steak. I mean, once I was done listening to everybody else's seven course meal, I wanted theirs, not mine. And then it made me think, I've got to go back and I've got to clarify. I've got to spend some time. I've got to figure out my appetizer, my super salad, my entree, my side, my drink, my dessert. Later that night when I got home to Sherman, Texas, went to one of my favorite restaurants. It's a little bit like the Cheers of Boston, but it's city limits for Sherman. Everybody goes. Everybody knows your name. Everybody says hi. You got to have your head on a swivel. 
You can order the chicken fried steak. You can order the chicken tacos. You're going to be just fine. But the chips and salsa are a must. It's a sweeter salsa than anyone you've ever had. It's seemingly filled with sugar. But the fried jalapenos on the appetizer items are absolutely going to make my revised seven-course death row last meal. And I will be having, as well, a Denny Rita. If you ever find yourself somewhere north of Dallas, if you ever find yourself in North Texas, if you find yourself in Sherman, go to City Limits and get the Denny Rita. It's a margarita served in a coffee mug with a floater of Grand Marnier, and it is incredible. You should only have about two. Okay, maybe three, but get some of those and the fried jalapenos, and you'll be ready for that to be your last meal. While I was up in Sherman, I took my boys finally to Tenors Western Wear, got them some Wranglers, which was a huge victory for me. They were up for it. They were excited. It wasn't just a dad-driven decision. It was, yes, we can't wear hoodies and shorts year-round. 105 degrees in Dallas, Texas, the middle of August. Hoodie and shorts. I guess sweat up top. And feel appropriate down below. But winter, January, five degrees, hoodie and shorts, warm enough on top, freezing down below. Finally, it was time. Hey, listen, I've bought you both pairs of cowboy boots. You've got to have some jeans to wear it with. And we bought some Wranglers, and I was so proud. They're ready for boots and jeans. Then we went to what I think is probably the best gun store, at least in Texas, if not the country. Um, That is my buddy Cliff Montgomery's gun shop up on the the, um, border of Sherman and and Denison. Um, B&R Outdoors, it's amazing. Any gun that you want, and they take care of you. I'm currently debating a Beretta A400 versus a Benelli Super Black Eagle. 12 or 20 gauge shotgun. Not sure which way I'm going to go on that. But I've also been wanting a SIG P365 handgun. And they let me borrow one because we're friends to take out and try out. Went out to the country, took the boys, big group of us. We went out to the countryside. We shot handguns. We shot rifles. We even shot some traps. Not going to say I'm the best, but I'm not bad, but I'm not going to say I'm the best. In the end, I think I went four for six. Might have been four for nine. On shooting clays, on a moving, wobbling target, spraying out. But I'm going to get better. I'm going to put that on my New Year's resolutions. Here in about a month, we're going to revisit the New Year's resolutions that I did last year. I did 20. Got to do a little update on how I've been keeping up. But I think next year, dial in. My trap shooting, sporting clays. It's going to get better. There was Thanksgiving, of course, and we did what we always did. We debated. We played Mafia, the game of deception. It's funny to watch kids. It's amazing to watch kids. Even like eight, nine years old, dial it in. I mean, capable, more capable of sniffing out deception than committing deception. My son, who's 12, was a member of the mafia. And the key to the game is consistency. Just don't act different when you're mafia than when you are just a normal townsperson. He clammed up 
real quiet throughout the game until everybody noticed, hey, West is acting very quiet. And then when pressed, his face turns bright red. you got to be consistent. you got to be the same. Same level of energy. Act the same. Whether or not you're the bad guy or the good guy. But kids are pretty good, I've found, sometimes, at sniffing out deception. Another debate that I'm confident in, as we go into Thanksgiving from now on, I've got to be able to include a red meat. Or just have a barbecue. I want brisket, which would be on my last meal, my seven-course last meal. I like brisket better than a steak. Brisket or ribs of some kind to go along with the turkey. Then I think Thanksgiving is just about a perfect meal. I could use baked beans. I love beans. Some kind Mexican beans or baked beans. I mean, it'd be good to get that into the Thanksgiving meal. Am I turning it into a barbecue? Some cornbread? Some banana pudding? Basically, I'm turning it into 4th of July. But I just want some brisket or some ribs to go along with my turkey. That's what it was. It was family. It was debate. It was home. It was Thanksgiving. I hope you as well had a great Thanksgiving. We'll be right back with more of the Will Cain Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Story number one, can we save free speech in the West? In Ireland, an Algerian man, a migrant that was scheduled to be deported in 2003, but was granted the ability to stay in the country, stabbed five children, leading to riots described as far-right riots in the streets of Dublin across Ireland, quote-unquote far-right movements or immigration restrictionists or hawks to immigration movements are gaining steam all across Europe, in France, in Spain, in Portugal, all across Europe. People more concerned with the people that are native to that country and the culture that is native to that country than welcoming, opening their arms with open borders to people and refugees from across the globe that don't share those cultures, those values. But we'll share that land with those people across Europe. And in response to this tragedy in Ireland, how did the Irish government respond? Well, in part, they've responded with adopting one of the most egregious restrictions on free speech in the West. It's always good to take a broad scope of history and take for a moment that what we have here in the United States of America should not be taken 
for granted. We have an attitude both culturally and a legal right protected constitutionally that is unique, not just in the world, but in Western civilization. Pew Research shows how most people across the world view free speech. And the United States has a particularly and most pronounced open nature, open mind towards free speech. Countries like Canada, UK, Germany, much lower cultural acceptance of the idea that I disagree with what you have to say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. Of course, countries like Soviet Union or Saudi Arabia, not only is there a culture that does not embrace the concept of free speech, but there are laws that restrict it. Once again, this is where the United States finds itself in almost sole company. Vladimir Putin has instituted laws that basically make it illegal to criticize the government. Saudi Arabia, for sure, has laws in place making it impossible for you to stake out a position too far anywhere opposite the government. In most of the European nations, it is illegal to deny the Holocaust. In Austria, it is illegal to depict the prophet Muhammad, something that you would expect to hear or see in some place like Afghanistan, not in some place like Austria. No, it's the United States that protects the freedom of speech from almost in, in almost every instance except those that directly lead to an incitement to violence. That's the decision made by the Supreme Court in the 1960s. It's our current standard on the limitations of free speech and a decision called the Brandenburg decision, a direct and obvious incitement call to violence. But it's much looser now in places like Ireland, where they're looking to put into place a hate crime offense. In this particular law, which is being debated, it would, for example, make it illegal to possess any material that is likely to incite violence or hatred. Just possess material that could likely lead to the incitement of violence or hatred. Green Party Senator O'Reilly said, we are restricting freedom for the common good. That's what all freedoms and all tyrants in the pursuit of the restriction of freedoms have always said. That they're doing it so for the common good. Will not that common good be the state, the mob, or the king? Under this new Irish proposed law, you could get 12 months if you don't allow the state to read the text between you and your spouse. Here's some of the language in that law. Offense of preparing or possessing materials likely to incite violence or hatred against persons on account of their protected characteristics. What is protected characteristics? It's defined in the act as race, color, nationality, religion, national or ethnic origin, descent, gender, sex characteristics, sexual orientation, or disability. Hatred, the type of speech that would be limited, hatred against a person or a group of persons in the state, protected because of their characteristics. Hatred means hatred against any person or group of persons 
on account of their protected characteristics or any one of those characteristics, which I just listed. By the way, gender, which I listed, according to the act, gender means the gender of a person or the gender which a person expresses the preferred gender or with which the person identifies, including transgender and a gender other than those of male or female. This isn't the first time, by the way, that Ireland has had hate speech laws. They've had it before since 1989, the Prohibition of Incitement to Hatred Act. But reportedly, there's been only 50 prosecutions in the 30 years since that law has been enacted. So the proposal is to repeal that act and replace it with this current one that is proposed in order to find the ability to more easily prosecute. How? Who? Well, here's an example. Conor McGregor, Irish. He's being investigated for online hate speech. McGregor's posts are reportedly being assessed by the Gardai, the Irish police, as part of an inquiry into the dissemination of online hate speech. The inquiry is being led by Justin Kelleney, an assistant Garda commissioner. This is Ireland. This is the West. Of course, in any of these situations... All of these terms and the fact that they've become protected characteristics are less a part of the hairiness as is the definition of hatred, as is the definition of offense. Who is to define what is offensive? Who is to define what is hatred? Not using someone's pronouns? Is that hate speech? Denying the Holocaust? Is that hate speech? Questioning someone's opinion? Is that hate speech? This is Ireland we're talking about. This is the West. And historically, the right to freedom of speech was something that at least in theory was accepted by almost all countries across Western civilization. The United United Declaration of Human Rights defined freedom of speech as an essential right of of, of humanity. But that's all... That's all that's that's all wallpaper. That's window dressing. The vast majority of civilizations and states, and for that matter, the vast majority of individuals, what they mean by free speech is they mean their own speech. Look, we all have to be honest about that. Most of us would rather yell shut up at things we don't like, shut up an opinion we don't agree with, shut up at some – very few of us are capable of living up to that maxim. I believe it was from Voltaire. I disagree with what you have to say, but I would defend to the right, death your right to say it. Most of us just want to shut someone else up and have the power to shut someone else up. The left certainly is looking to. But look, the right hasn't been pure throughout its history. It's the right that in the 1980s and 1990s tried to go after music, you know, whether or not it was like NWA or heavy metal. It, I mean, in, it's the right today that is looking to criminalize speech or take away, you know, privileges of speech if if something is deemed anti-Semitic. Of course, the left, under the banner of hatred and racism and transphobia, would have you censored off the internet and no doubt limit any other right they want in order to control your speech. So who's left, really, to defend free speech? The only answer to that is going to come from the United States of America. It is not going to come from Europe. We've just defined, and I mean, it's like a sliding scale. Go to Asia, go to the Middle East, go to Russia, 
you're not going to see anything resembling free speech. Go to Europe, you see certainly less than what we have here and a declining enthusiasm and legal framework to protect free speech. Come further west, the UK and Ireland, no. Canada, no. The only place that hasn't embraced the concept of hate speech is right here, the United States of America. And it's something that it seems to be we're losing here. Douglas Mackey, by the way, which is prosecuted for internet memes that they say were designed to interfere with an election. These were internet memes that made fun of Hillary Clinton or was it told people that it was too late to vote or you can't vote for Hillary Clinton. And that was deemed election interference. I mean, this is a principle that I think that I have no problem accepting. People say, oh, you, you will you believe in gun rights? Yeah, I do. Oh, you drive a tank? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't have a big problem with somebody having a tank. No. But okay, if we're going to draw limitations on the extent of this right, well, I want them to be clear, well-defined, not assault rifle. And I want them written, written far out from the core of the principle. But when it comes to free speech, I don't see any limitation. Zero. Zero limitation. I can't think, including, I mean, there's things that you can, that are not free speech. And we're sitting here, I'm actually thinking about this out loud as we speak. You know, child pornography, not protected under the First Amendment, because there's an offense, an underlying offense is taking place that limits the creation of that act that is then disseminated. But can you go after the guy who doesn't have anything to do with the creation, but is disseminating it? Yes. Yes. So I, I'm not an pure absolutist. And by the way, this will be another question when we get into the world of AI, and a lot of it is fake, but it could, it could depict child pornography. But look, I'm talking about the far ends of this. Certainly not political thought, not political opinion. I don't care how racist. I don't care how obviously anti-Semitic. I don't care how obviously revolutionary. I don't care a threat to what power structure. The principle of free speech is self-evidently valuable. And this is the place that it has to stand. This is Bunker Hill. This is the last stand right here, the United States of America. And it was probably, it probably is the greatest little experiment in human history and preservation of free speech, not something that has been par for the course of humanity. And we'll have to ask ourselves, was this a blip on the radar of civilization? And we will quickly revert back to power and control or Will this always be the shining city on the hill that was worth fighting for when it comes to free speech in the West? We're going to step aside here for a moment. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Story number two. Why I'm quitting Zen, but not before... I rank the best flavors of Zen. I've told you about my um, addiction and trouble with nicotine. It's been 
the hardest vice for me from the beginning. I could drinking is social, almost everything else. I mean, coffee, whatever, caffeine, nicotine has been the one that I've, it's been the only one that I've ever felt powerless over. And then largely that's been through, you know, chewing tobacco, dipping, snooze, and then ultimately now Zen, off and on. So I started doing Zen, these nicotine pouches, no tobacco whatsoever. And so therefore, you know, no cancer-causing agents. Nicotine is not a cancer-causing agent. It can lead to higher blood pressure. But it's, and on the whole grand scheme of things, like, not that bad for your health, at least according to almost everything that I've read. So that's all I told myself as I went into this. In the beginning, I did these three, the three milligrams. So like, you got to get those numbers up, Will. Those are rookie numbers. Well, here's how it went down. Yeah, I did go from three to six. And then I started basically like, you know, chain rolling sixes throughout the day from one to the next. Then I got to two sixes at the same time. So I was going 12 at a time. And I mean, it went from, this is the perfect thing to have after dinner, to this is the perfect thing to have after lunch and dinner. This is the perfect thing to have as a mid-afternoon pick-me-up. So after lunch, around 3 p.m., after dinner, this is the perfect thing to have during a soccer game when I'm watching my sons. It takes two to get you through a soccer game. This is the perfect thing to have right after coffee. Perfect. Which, by the way, the two best nicotine bumps of the day, the two best zins of the day are the one right after coffee in the morning. Wonderful. Wonderful. We'll always miss that. And the one after dinner, which is less wonderful, but more like puts a period on the day. You know, you know how sometimes you feel like I have to have dessert or sugar after dinner because then I'm, that's it. Okay, now I'm done. That nicotine pouch after dinner was like, okay, now I'm done. Settle my stomach, relax. Those two I will forever miss. But the long and short of it is, it went from I should have one, I'm on a long drive, to this is perfect, you know, you're on a drive, let's have one, to, as my buddy said, I'm shaving. Perfect time to have it in. I mean, there was nothing at the end of this story that lasted about four months that there wasn't a perfect situation to have us in. I mean, all parts of the day. And I mean, in the beginning, the three was nice. And then I'd put a six and I'd be like, "Woo, this is a big time. I mean, at the end here, sixes haven't even affected me. I mean, I don't know. I don't feel anything. I just feel like I need it. And I've never felt more of a body is like you need it. But. It had a downside. Even though it doesn't have any negative health effects, as they say, it did have a downside. And I'm not going to tell you you can read this stuff, and it may not have a downside for you, but here it is for me. My energy was a yo-yo all day long. I mean, every time I needed a little pick-me-up, there was that can. And it was great for about 10 minutes. And then I feel like my energy, and my mood, by the way, crashed. Picked me back up a little bit, all with diminishing returns with a new one. and. Here's what I know. Here's all I know. All the good habits in my life went away with this bad habit. I stopped working out as much. I stopped eating right as much. Now, one leads to the other. If I'm not working out, I don't eat right as well. And, you know, everything I needed at any point in the day that I used to have long-term investment in feeling good about, I could get short-term with a Zen, but increasingly short-term. You see what I'm saying? If you work out, you feel good. And you feel good pretty much all day long. 
until you work out again the next day. And if you keep that habit rolling, then you're constantly in a better mood and of higher energy. But now I'm using Zen to boost my energy and be in a better mood in 10-minute increments, maybe 20. I mean, I held it in. I kept them in for 40 and then rolled a new one after that. But the benefit was 10 to 15 minutes. And then boom. So that's that's in the end. I'm like, I can't keep on. And completely powerless. Completely, like, at all times. Ready? Yeah, ready. Let's do it. Let's get another one. Yeah, ready. And I don't like feeling powerless. Trust me, I miss it. Right now, I want to have a zen. Um, by the way, I'm two days into quitting. Two days. Started Monday. Okay? Successfully. Successfully. But I want more control of my health, my habit, my choices, and my energy. I want more control of my energy. And that's why I'm quitting. Otherwise, I love it. I love it. I love it so much as this. I've done every can, every flavor, and ranked them all. And for what it's worth, I'm ready to give you my rankings. The rankings, in reverse order, go like this. There are 10 flavors of Zen. There's one I haven't tried, and that is the non-flavor. I forget what they call that. It has no flavor. Uh, I want flavor of some kind. All right, coming in at number nine, menthol. Okay, I got it at first. I was like, ooh, I like it. A little bite, a little punch. No. By about the fourth one in a can of 15, I felt like I was sucking on Vicks Vapor Rub, Ben Gay, in my mouth. You know, if you've ever had cigarettes, been into cigarettes, a menthol cigarettes, a nice little pick-me-up here and there. Fine. Not this. Maybe if you just did one, but I did the whole can of all of these. Multiple cans of some. Um, it's just like menthol is like putting medicine in your mouth. Not good. Number eight, spearmint. Not into spearmint. It was like all all bite, no sweetness. All bitter, no nice finish. Number seven, chill, which is the minimum number measure of flavor. You need more flavor. I'm going to explain as I go. Otherwise, you've just got a soggy bag of nicotine in your mouth. Number six, coffee. First time I bought a can of coffee, put it in my mouth and thought, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever had. What, why is this one ranked? I'd seen other people rank these things online because I started looking best flavor. This is amazing. It tastes like caramel. This is awesome. And then I looked and it says mocha flavored. I'm like, oh, okay, caramel, mocha, whatever. But I will say, by the fifth one of those I did, I'm like, this flavor's getting old. It's strong. And it's a little syrupy. It's a little bit like eating pancakes and keeping a little bit of syrup in your mouth all day long. You know, maybe not having a drink of water after you've eaten pancakes and syrup. It's just kind of there, coating everything in your mouth. And you don't want that for 40 minutes, much less longer. Now, if I were going to be a habitual Zen user, I might have a can of this for a post-coffee, real coffee, Zen coffee. Maybe. But, you know... Maybe not, because you might want to go minty after that. But I, I like it. I just don't want, I don't want it that much. Number five, wintergreen. A lot of dudes' favorites, the wintergreen. Here's the wintergreen versus the spearmint. It's got a sweetness to it. It's still got the punch of the mint. It's got a nice sweetness to it. It's very strong flavor. Maybe the strongest one on, it's a, it's a race between this and peppermint for the strongest flavor in your mouth. Now, here's my thing. I think a lot of guys would put wintergreen one or two. 
I remember back in college, I did Copenhagen and all the California guys. And I don't think it's just a California thing. It might be a West Coast thing. They were all into Kodiak. I've told you this before. They did Kodiak and they always had Kodiak wintergreen. I never liked it. I could smell it. and I associated it with those dudes doing that Kodiak wintergreen. And it was gross to me. Because it's my big old water polo friends with goatees. I'm like, you're gross. That's gross. I want that away from you. Water polo is not what Rachel Campos Duffy thinks of it. It's not some country club, you know, sweater around your shoulder sport. Promise you. It's much grungier than you think. And so all that grunge and all that, all that pull your suit up. And I don't want to see. I don't want to stretch next to you at 5.30 a.m. practice. You smell awful, and so does your Kodiak wintergreen. Just all got ingrained in me to the point where I'm like, wintergreen is kind of gross, even though I actually do like the flavor somewhat. But I don't think I'm ever going to be able to get through that association, so it comes in at five. Number four, cinnamon. This is a lot of guys' favorite. Here's the thing. It's okay. The flavor's good. It's too faint, and it's gone within a couple of minutes. You got it there. By the way, I mean, I perfected this. You put it in your mouth, you bite it with your front teeth about four or five times, release all the flavor, tuck it, and go. It's just a little too faint. It's okay. It's never going to get higher than number four. Cool mint, number three. Mellow, a good minty. You need, here's what I learned as time went by. Got by. You need a bite. It can't simply be a good flavor. You, I need something to put in my mouth. I'm like, there we go. That's it. And it's part of it's the flavor. All of a sudden, it's like there. It needs. Here's what I'm getting at. It needs to burn a little bit. It needs to burn a little bit. That way you know it's working. Number two, citrus. Citrus is the best flavor, period. It's the best flavor. If you go with a six milligram, it's going to give you a little bite, which you want. I would put citrus number one, but for, like cinnamon, the flavor fades away too quick within a couple of minutes, and it's gone. And you want that nice cinnamon flavor, and you rotate it around, you bite it up again, try to get the citrus flavor out, and it's kind of gone. And that's the problem with citrus. If they figure out a way to make that flavor last longer, it would be number one. Number one, peppermint. Burns, a little sweetness, none of the wintergreen associations for me. I gave it to a producer at Fox at the Patriot Awards who wasn't into it and he acted all tough. I gave it to him and the peppermint burned the back of his throat and he started losing his voice and kind of coughing. I knew it wasn't the nicotine. It's not tobacco. It's just all the flavoring. It just shows it's got a good amount of bite and it's a nice flavor. And it's got the burn that you know that it's working. Peppermint, number one. There's your Zen rankings. If you ever get into it, I highly advise citrus or peppermint. But don't, don't, even though I don't know of any health risks, you want to be more in control of your energy. And that is why I'm quitting Zen, I think. At least I'm doing my best. So we'll see. Story number three. The four biggest debates in college football. We're headed into championship weekend in college football, and we run the risk of having five, six teams that have a legitimate shot to get into the college football playoff. Four spots. I wanted to walk through some of those scenarios with you here today and give you the four toughest debates. Before we do, I want to give you some of the debates that we could end up with at the end that are obvious in, I think, how they would turn out. Debate number one, Florida State 
13 and 0 versus Texas 12 and 1 for one final spot. This is where the first three spots are taken by, say, Georgia, Michigan, and Washington, all undefeated. Florida State comes in with what most people think is not a good a team in the eye test, a backup quarterback now that Jordan Travis is injured, and not the most impressive resume in college football. Going up against a 12 and 1 Big 12 champion, Texas, that beat Alabama. I think this debate is easy. I think it goes to Florida State, just to show my objectivity. If you go undefeated in a Power Five conference, you do not give up your spot to a one loss team. Period. You have done everything you need to do. There is no circumstance for me, if you're a Power Five team, if you go undefeated, that you should be replaced by a one loss team. Debate number two that I think is easy 12 and 1 Texas versus. 12 and 1 Ohio State. This is under the presumption that, say, Florida State loses. So we could have those same three teams Georgia, Michigan, Washington. And for the final spot, now that Oregon has gone to two losses, now that Alabama has gone to two losses, now that Florida State has lost, and most people do agree, should Florida State lose a game, they are out. 12 and 1 Texas versus 12 and 1 Ohio State. I think that one's easy as well. It goes to 12 and 1 Texas. I believe you go with the conference champion with the same record, without even getting into the resume, the conference champion with the same record as a non conference champion. Ohio State will not win the Big Ten. They lose that debate to Texas. Here are, here's another one that I think is easy ish 12 and 1 Ohio State non-conference champion against 12-1 and Florida State, non-conference champion. Neither of them have won the, the Big Ten or the ACC. You still have Washington, Georgia, and Michigan in the first three spots. I think in that scenario, you're going to take 12-1 and Ohio State over 12-1 and Florida State. This is where the eye test is going to come into play. This is where the backup quarterback is going to come into play. This is where the resume is going to come into play. All of that is going to lean in Ohio State's favor. Plus, Florida State will have just lost in the AC championship game to Louisville. Their loss, worse than Ohio State losing to a top-two team in Michigan. Another debate that I think is easy, 12-1 Washington having lost to Oregon against 12-1 Texas, Big 12 champion. This is where your top three spots now are Oregon, Georgia, Michigan, and looking at a fourth spot with Alabama having gone to two losses, Florida State having lost. You have Washington just lost to Oregon at 12-1. Texas lost early in the year to Oklahoma, 12-1. Same thing as applies to Ohio State. You take 12 and 1 Texas because they are the conference champion. Washington is not. Another easy one. Easy ish. 12 and 1 Texas against 12 and 1 Georgia. This is where Georgia loses to Alabama. So your top three spots now are Alabama, Michigan, Pac 12 champion, or Florida State. And Texas versus Georgia. It's got to be your Pac-12 champion. Florida State's out. 
because that would be your neither Texas or Georgia would be in the debate if you have the Pac-12 champion and Florida State. So it's one spot for Texas or Georgia, both 12 and 1. Georgia having lost Alabama. I think you have to take Texas under the same rules that I believe. Conference champion Texas beat Alabama, by the way. Georgia lost to Alabama. Georgia non-conference champion. Same record. You got to take Texas. Now, here are the four toughest debates. The ones I don't have as easy an answer for. 12-1 Oregon versus 12-1 Texas. 12-1 Big 12 Texas champion. 12-1 Oregon Pac-12 champion. Top three spots are going to go to Georgia, Michigan, and Florida State. Who gets that fourth spot, Oregon or Texas? Now, every poll, every college football playoff ranking so far would suggest that's going to go to Oregon over Texas. But I don't know why. Oregon does not have a better resume than Texas. Their only top 25 win is Utah. I believe Oregon State's still in the top 25. But if those are two best wins, Oregon State and Utah. Texas has Alabama. They also have Kansas, Kansas State, and Iowa State. They will have Oklahoma State. All And Oregon would have Washington in that scenario. So what's a better win? Washington? Or Alabama. They have a common opponent, by the way. Texas Tech. Oregon had to come back in the final moments to win against Texas Tech, 38-30. to Texas just blew out Texas Tech, 57-7. to I think everything on paper leads you towards Texas. The argument for Oregon is eye test and the fact that they've blown out all their opponents over the last several weeks. Texas just blew out Texas Tech, and they played tight games when they had a backup quarterback in, plus a couple of stumbles. They won them all against, say, TCU. But I think the paper leads you to Texas over Oregon. I don't see the case, although I think Texas will lose that debate. I don't see the case for Oregon over Texas. Next tough debate. 12-1 Washington against 12-1 Ohio State. Okay, this is where Oregon is in, having just won the Pac-12. Georgia, we'll say, is in. Michigan is in. Florida State loses. Now you have Washington and Ohio State at 12-1. and I don't know the answer to this one. Washington has eight straight wins that are 10 points or fewer, which is not impressive, but they're on some huge winning streak as well. Ohio State played a fairly tight game against Michigan. My sense is they're already ranked. They're undefeated. They're much. My sense is it goes to Washington over Ohio State. In that case, two Pac-12 teams in. Next toughest debate. Third, twelve and one Alabama against twelve and one Texas. In this scenario. Pac-12 champions in, we'll say it's Washington. Florida State's in, that's two. Who am I forgetting? Forgetting one more. This is hard scenarios to keep up with. But if it comes down to Alabama 
Oh, Michigan is in. So that's three. So then it comes down to Alabama versus Texas for the fourth and final spot. Alabama having just beat Georgia to win the SEC. Texas having won the Big 12 with the same record as Alabama, both 12-1, and but Texas beating Alabama. Here's my thing on this. This was the big debate at Thanksgiving. Well, that was early in the season. Alabama's gotten a lot better. Then what's the point in playing the game? I don't understand the point in the schedule. You should never schedule entertaining good games if winning them doesn't help you. There's no point whatsoever. Texas beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa by 10. It wasn't a close game. Dominated Alabama. So what that Alabama then go on goes on later in the season to play better? By the way, barely beats Auburn on a prayer of a play at the end of the game, but then beats Georgia, the number one team in the country. I think Texas has to win that debate. Otherwise, you've disincentivized resume altogether. You've disincentivized playing these games. Texas beat Alabama. Texas has to go into the college football playoff over Alabama. And finally, last debate. 12-1 Georgia versus 12-1 Ohio State. This is Alabama in, Washington in, Florida State in. No, I forgot one. Florida State out. Alabama in, Washington in, Michigan in. Texas loses to Oklahoma State, so they're out of this debate. And it comes down to Georgia versus Ohio State. You could throw Florida State in there, but we already said they lose these debates once they lose. Georgia against Ohio State, neither conference champion. I think they're going to go with Georgia, virtue of reputation and eye test, and should, by the way. In that case, you'd have two SEC teams. Those are the four big debates in my mind. Texas versus Oregon, Washington versus Ohio State, Georgia versus Ohio State, and Texas versus Alabama. It's all going to play out. We'll see soon who wins these conference championship games, and then we'll have all the evidence, and we can have a few couple days It's going to be quick, though, on massive debate this coming weekend. That's going to do it for today here on the Will Cain Podcast. I will see you again next time. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members, you can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.